Kia ora and welcome to The Word with me, your host, Christopher Von Roy, today on the 28th of October 2021. Thank you for joining us for episode 7 with the incredible Tracy Alexander. I was super looking forward to this recording with Tracy because she has really helped me in the past and has an absolutely amazing story to tell, which you will hear in this podcast. She started out as, yeah, um, a journalist and actor and worked in the media for a long time. And then once she moved to Israel, she pivoted out of that role and recently started up her own sort of, how would you define it? She's a a head coach, a meditation teacher. She's developed this program called the Alignment System. And yeah, she helps people deal with stress and all of the fun, nifty things that life throws at us. Um, She's very funny. She's super insightful and an absolutely joy to listen to. So yeah, without further ado, let's welcome Tracy to the show. Tracy, can you hear me? Yes, how are you? Good, good, and you? Good, good morning. can you hear me yeah. okay? Yeah, good morning. Yep, I can hear you. Can I tell you something? We just had an earthquake, like literally 10 no. seconds ago. When no I died, way. It, wasn't, it, was, it was a big one, but it wasn't, yeah, we have a lot here, but this one was oh. a shake. It lasted for a while, so. Uh, oh, my goodness. Amazing. How, how are you feeling? I feel a little bit anxious. Like I've lived here for 10 years in this area, but yeah, every now and then it does make you feel the best, the best description I ever heard was it's like standing on the back of a moving dragon, like a dragon that's just waking up because everything starts rolling. Have you ever been through one, Tracy? I haven't been through one that I would say, you know, I wrote, you know, yeah, that it's shaken me. Like that, I've, I've lived in places where there has been an earthquake, but I was like, was there an earthquake? That so you've never actually you know experienced I mean? it in person. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. No. I, I've experienced. I've been here. There has been an earthquake, but it's been yeah. so small that it's like not even. I wouldn't count. Little it. tremors. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Wow. How? Yeah. How is Israel at the moment? Is it getting? Israel's great. What's temperature-wise? It is getting cooler, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It's um, you know, it's funny. You know, we have this expectation, especially in Tel Aviv, that it's you know, three hundred sixty-five days of summer, and yeah. every year that it starts, it just instantly there's like a week that everything changes. Um, yeah. Where you know you get like maybe the first rain, but the days are so warm, so it's very confusing. It's like it's all really right, cool. so it's still sunny and yeah. You can tell that autumn is happening when it when the rain kicks in. Exactly. exactly. That's when the climate change happens. Exactly. Um, ah, wait, I'm just trying to get myself. I don't know if I'll edit this out. No, I'll probably leave it in. <laughs> just like uh, belly breathing. A few minutes and, yeah, breathe. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we just breathe? It's probably like an excellent, um, yeah, speaking about the topic we're going to um, bridge in a bit about your stress detox thing that was the yeah. thing i thought about when it was happening i was like oh god what would tracy what recommendation and i was like belly breathing um, <laughs> yeah so uh, when these things happen i used to get really really 
yeah, the you know, when it had, I grew up in Germany, right? And things like this never, ever happen, right? So when I moved to New Zealand and the first one I ever encountered, it made me feel tiny and it reminded me of when I had anxiety when I was a little child. Not mm -hmm. the attacks that I got when I was older, but more when I was young and I didn't really know what it was that was happening. Because I'd never, when I was a child, I never got diagnosed with anxiety or anything. I just thought it was a normal thing to have that shortness of breath and feeling close to fainting. And I was a bit embarrassed about it. And I tell you, when I had my first experience with an earthquake, I felt exactly the same way. Like, you don't really know how to categorize it in your brain because mm -hmm. so out of your control. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know? Yeah, the forces of nature can be very... Yeah, go mm -hmm. on. Oh, I was just going to say, the force of nature can be very confronting. I think you can even feel that way if you just look out at the vast ocean. You can get that sense of, True. you know, how tiny you are and wow, you know. Or up at the stars at night, I guess, is a similar. Yeah, that, it's um, that awesome feeling. Mm. You know how I was going to start this? I was going to say, Tracy, you're like one of the, I've had, you know, several guests on and you're the first one where I don't actually feel nervous. <laughs> That was how I was going to start this podcast. I, <laughs> Funny, well, I and, and then I had the earthquake happen. Now, it was just because I've had, you know, ever since I, a friend of mine shared, I think it was one of your Instagram stories about, you spoke about karma and dharma, and you really, you know, nailed the definition so well, and you had such a lovely speaking voice. I, like, shared that video with all my friends and my parents, and I was like, this is, this is it. Like, this is the way we should all be thinking. And so that, and ever since then, I've watched every single story you've ever posted and all that's going on. And I've just had this like super kinship. So that's why I was like, I'm not nervous, but then nature throws me this curveball <laughs> and shakes the whole ground up. And then I was like, I'm nervous for other reasons, but yeah, no, I'm okay. One thing you do do in living in places like this is you fill your water bottles up. So yeah, in case the water supply gets that's the only thing that's dangerous mm. if water gets cut out. With Have you filled your water but... bottle up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did this morning, bizarrely okay. enough. So, okay. yeah. My whole day has been filled with strange synchronicities, if I can just mm. say this. I, I woke up and I listened, like I listen to music in the shower normally, and I put on this piano music, a guy called Keith Jarrett. He's like a piano player from, the, from Brooklyn. He's like, this massive afro really cool dude and he did this concert called the cone concert and i put that on in the shower and then a friend of mine from school in munich sent me the spotify link to that exact concert like i haven't spoken to this friend for ages either and he's like oh I'll have a listen to this yeah, yeah i know and then i knocked my teacup over twice <laughs> so today's quite the auspicious day anyway over to you now i've been talking way too much but tracy why why have i beckoned you onto this podcast well for starters like i said i was so mesmerized by the stuff that you post on instagram and yeah the inspirational background that you have because you're one of these people that have actually most people dream about changing jobs or changing their life in significant ways but a lot of us are actually a little bit scared to do that because obviously things are easier the way they are most of the time even if it's our own detriment so I wanted to get a feel for, yeah, your origin story. Like, how did Tracy Alexander come about in the current incarnation? Where were you born? Not Israel, I think. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was born in Sydney, Australia. 
So yeah. close to where, closer than Israel to where you are now. Yeah. Um, that's where I was born. <laughs> you were born? A short answer to that question. <laughs> Good. And then what else happened to you after you were born? You went to school? Yes, I went to school. Do you want to give me a bit more, um, you know, as to where you'd like me to go with this question? So just how you got into the vocation you had before we did, you came came upon mm. what you're doing right now in Israel. So mm -hmm. how you got mm -hmm. into this, you know, really quite unique area of presenting on television and how you then ah. decided, yeah. So that's kind right. of where I was angling at. Yeah. All right. So how I got into journalism um, so I've always been someone that has followed my heart. I've ne it's never actually occurred to me to do, you know, what was expected of me, right? Even though, yeah. you know, or, you know, <clears throat> I definitely came from a family where, you know, it's quite, quite regular, right? You, you go to school, you yeah. go to university, you get your degree and you get a, a, a job that is, um, you know, safe and supportive. And I wanted to be a dancer when I finished high school. And yeah. my mother said, you know, you can dance, but go and get a degree. <laughs> You're not doing dancing yeah. as, your, as your profession. Um, so, you know, I had done well in my year 12 exams. So I had, a, a, you know, a choice of what I wanted to study. So I just thought, well, what uh, can I use these marks for? It's kind of like, you know, I've got all this money. I'm just going to spend it all. So I just yeah. looked at a degree that, you know, accepted those marks and I leaned towards a double degree in psych law, psychology and law, just because yeah. I could, not necessarily because I necessarily wanted to do that. Um, yeah. And so after having kind of just done that, I thought, you know, no, actually, that's not what I'm interested in doing. And I changed to health and sports science. And uh, I hadn't studied chemistry at school, so I had to do a chemistry bridging course. And yeah. after spending a couple of weeks doing that, I thought, no, nope, no, don't like this. And I'm just going to do straight science. And I majored in biology and cognitive psychology. So you can see that I was kind of jumping around going, well, what do I want to do? I'm kind of interested in some things, but, you know, yeah. I was really interested in the arts and performing and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I started that degree. And along the way, again, I, I guess I had marks that allowed for me to be um, put forward for a scholarship to University of Michigan. And oh, I, wow. yeah, and I didn't know at the time what that meant. I just thought, you know, it would be just a regular university. And um, I, it just took some research to realize that this was, um, you know, quite a, quite an established university and quite yeah. a well-regarded university, but also it had this um, very reputable, theater and musical theater program so I discovered that if I changed to Bachelor of Arts right in in cog psych and biology I could still have those same majors but then go there and do all of these dance subjects or theater subjects so Amazing. You know, clearly I was just doing what I wanted to do right without thinking oh how is this going to serve serve yeah. me in my professional life um, and when I was there, I was just so inspired by the the industry there and my peers um, who were just, you know, some of my peers um, in my year were, you know, you've seen La La Land. 
Yeah, and um, the greatest showman they wrote the music for that basically. Oh Paul, wow! Yeah, like a lot of them you would know they're they're famous now, and yeah. you know you, I was just surrounded by these people. Like wow, it was so inspiring, and that really lit me up. So I came back, finished my degree in cognitive psychology, and I said to my mum, to her absolute horror, I'm now going to go and study acting, and <laughs> it it was um, it wasn't very long that I I lasted in trying my hand at that because. Um, after a handful of, you know, Me Too experiences and all of those kinds of yeah, things, yeah. Um, I, I also quickly came to realise that it wasn't effort equals outcome and I was very much about, you know, wanting to determine as much as I could for myself my success, which was linked to a lot of needing to impress, right, which was yeah, a, yeah. a part of myself that I hadn't yet healed. Um, and so because of that, um, while I was in Los Angeles, I became good friends with a man by the name of Bennett Miller, who is a director. He directed um, Moneyball. Um, yeah, I was about Pitt. to yeah. say. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. That's one of my favorite films ever. Wow, I absolutely wow. love that movie. Yeah, yeah. He also directed Capote, which was one of my favorite yeah, movies, yeah. Um, which was, um, you know, what I knew. I, Moneyball hadn't yet come out when I met him. He was making yeah, it. Yeah. And so when he said he directed Capote, I was like, wow. And he was an he is an incredible guy. And um, I spent a lot of time with him and while he was making Moneyball. So he, I was watching a lot of his films that he was using for inspiration with him. And then he showed me his breakout film, which was a documentary. And at that time, I was going through a lot of heady kind of what am I doing? Because I know I want to be in storytelling and but I don't want to do acting and I certainly don't like this industry. And I had also a lot of self-doubt um, about me even being able to hold myself in this space because of yeah. you know, just a lot of the interactions I'd had with, you know, powerful men, et cetera. And, um, and it was, that was when it hit me. I watched this documentary. It was incredibly inspiring. I would encourage you to watch it called The Cruise. Um, the Cruise. And Cruise. The Cruise. It's about this kind of very eccentric New York tour guide who kind of poetically leads his, um, you know, his, the tourists through New York City. It's, it's really beautiful. But it was that that made me realise, ah, that's what I want to do, right? I want to tell stories. I want to be unpacking, you know, the stories about the human condition, but I don't want to be the person on the stage. I want to tell the story. So I want to get into documentary making. So I came back Amazing. and enrolled in journalism. Yeah. And I remember clearly my radio teacher saying to me, he was saying to us, the class, you know, you can want what you want in the industry, as in I want to work in print or radio or television or documentaries, but ultimately the industry will shake you and you will land where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And that was very much my story because there was absolutely no desire at the beginning to be in television. Um, because I'd done that acting stint, as a reaction to that, when I kept getting offered television jobs, I kept saying, absolutely not. I will not work in TV. Was that because um, of the misogyny and the Me Too experiences? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I was really like, no, nope, this is for unhinged people who yeah. <laughs> have something to prove and no, no, no. Um, and then, yeah, it was actually I was offered a job. So I started in documentaries, I did, and then I moved with my then boyfriend into state. So I got a job reading the news for a radio station and, you know, it was like, it was Fox FM, right? I don't know what you have yeah, in New Zealand, yeah. but it's like a pop station. So you're saying this car crashed, that flood here, this person's died and Kim Kardashian were like the headlines. Wow. And, you know, and I was kind of like, it was fun, 
But I was like, this isn't what I had wanted to do. So I'd always had that sense of no, that kind of, you know, fast food journalism isn't for me yeah. from the beginning, um, although it was fun. And then when they kept offering me TV gigs, then it was only when I was offered a job as a video journalist in country Victoria. Um, so I got to film and edit and write and report in an area that as a Sydney North Shore girl would not find <laughs> herself in Shepparton, you know, the Golden Valley, the fruit bowl of Australia, telling stories about <laughs> foot and mouth disease and, you know, all the rest. So I thought, well, this sounds fun. So I Amazing. went for, yeah, well, it was meant to be four months and ended up 18 months, loved TV, got brought over to Channel 9, was doing the Today Show and then, you know, being woken up at three in the morning to do stories about first water mains and murders and, again, had that same rumbling of what on earth am I doing? Like, this is just not what I want, you know, yeah, to get these yeah. stories to be telling. And then I ended up in Israel after that. So <laughs> Also through <laughs> television or...? Through TV. So I was working as a reporter there, got to another stage of disillusionment with, with my job, and um, I decided I was going to move to London and maybe try my hand at perhaps a channel that talked about more international stories or Africa Today or something like that. Yeah. Um, and a friend of mine said, no, no, don't go to London. She lived in Israel. Said, come to Israel. I said, oh, what would I do in Israel? And then um, all of a sudden I got this phone call from an Israeli network, uh, listen, uh, Tracy, uh, when can you get here? And I was like, first of all, <laughs> who Amazing. is this? What is this? Um, and anyway, so they, they had been given my showreel by my friend who had sneakily seen a, a post about it on Facebook. Yeah. And within a month, I, I was there. It was an amazing journey to get oh there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's like yeah. kismet. It was. It was like bang, bang, because they wanted me there fast. I was used to packing up and leaving very fast for yeah. jobs. It's yeah. just how it works. Um, in journalism, you get offered a job, and within two weeks, you're expected to have moved. Um, yeah. yeah. So I was ready, kind of, I was ready for it. Um, and, yeah, it was a really interesting experience because I did an overnight, it was overnight because of the time difference, screen test for them on Skype. And they did a fake breaking news scenario. And here I was <laughs> at the time um, working in Adelaide. And, um, <laughs> in you know, oh, wow. yeah. And so the, the closest to a plane crash I had covered was, you know, I think there was maybe, a, it was like, a, I don't know, a drunk pilot or I can't remember what it was, ran out of fuel or something. And they did this, they said, okay, Tracy, you know, there's been some breaking news, a light plane crash into the Giza pyramids near Cairo. You've got Charlie Cohen. And I was like, Charlie Cohen, of course, um, on the ground. <laughs> um, and, Hardcore. You know, uh, it's an what, intense what, event, yeah, man, into the pyramids. Yeah. And, um, and I just thought to myself, what would, what would have caused that plane to go down? Because my context was such local news. Yeah, and so I just went to Charlie and I said, Charlie, what can you tell us? And he starts talking about this terror attack. And I remember, oh, like, wow. oh, yeah, like that's what they're talking about every day. Like, of course, it's not that they ran out of fuel. It was, this was intentional. This was a terror attack. This is just their bread yeah, and butter. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it was just such an interesting, like, we're not in Kansas anymore moment. Exactly. It was, yeah, really intriguing. And um, yeah, and so to cut a long story short, I was offered the job and went over from reporter straight into the anchor chair. And leading, you know, hours of breaking news Huge. about, I remember in my first week 
you know, and I really wasn't au fait with international news like they are here, you know, when they're in really in the thick of it. Their their local news is international news in by yeah, you know, yeah. by many senses. And um my first week was like there was my first um shift on air was a terror attack, which was shocking. At the um, oh my. Sorona it's market. Like a premonition yeah. that, was, that was. Yeah, yeah. And then um I think a week or two in was the Turkey coup back in 2016. Oh, yeah, of course. And I was hours of, yeah, breaking, like, you know, breaking news. And I was learning about all of this stuff on the fly. So the learning curve was steep and thrilling um, and, yeah. and yeah. incredible because, you know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have been given that opportunity in Australia because, you know, it's just that much more competitive and, you know, you really have to do your time, et cetera, et cetera. And it allowed me to step into a role that I was ready for but wouldn't have ever felt ready for or been given the opportunity to do it like a smaller market like Australia, yeah, yeah. you know, so it was amazing. So you went so from you having went pretty much all the autonomy, the autonomy you could autonomy have you could in have that, small that small job, job in, in Victoria, was it? Oh, yeah. So no, so I'd moved since from then and I was now working for Channel 9 okay. in, in Adelaide. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sweet. So yeah, you yeah, switched yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you made yeah. that transition. So that must have been, could you speak Hebrew? I mean, I speak English in Tel Aviv, no. but still none of that. Yeah. I mean, I spoke very basic, very basic, like my name is, yeah. and I, yeah. you could like yeah. to say a cat yeah. and a dog and all this stuff. But no, no, I didn't speak Hebrew when I arrived. <laughs> wow. And then you got thrown in the thick of, and can you speak it now? You probably must I be pretty good. I can speak it. Now. I'm not fluent. Yeah, I'm not fluent, yeah. but I've been here five years. So <clears throat> I could be better, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah. working in an English-speaking newsroom, um, I didn't have it to learn. Whereas now that I'm out, out of that little bubble, and would like to also teach to, and now obviously work as a meditation teacher, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, yeah, I'd like to teach the local market more. I'm I'm now taking lessons in Hebrew, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and. When you first, because I mean, that would have been a massive, you wanted to go to London and then like, what did your, your mom and your friends say when you said, oh, I'm going to head over to Israel, which at the time, I mean, it's always been quite a volatile area for people that live outside of Israel. Yeah. What so was not, their reaction? It wasn't, huge, it wasn't a huge stretch because first of all, I'm, I come from a Jewish family. So there are yeah. ties already to to Israel, but I had been before and I'd done an army training program here. So it was yeah. a four month basic training. Okay, program. so you had the and so you had I the did, immersion already. Yeah, yeah, it had the immersion, and it had deeply affected me that experience in that learning about the values of what is a defense force. You know, the IDF, which is the name of the army here, is the yeah. Israel Defense Force, right? And it works in this defensive way. And looking inside and seeing the values and the way that it's structured and their, you know, morals and their, um, you know, the ways that they operate really was inspiring. And then also being a quote unquote, quote, fake soldier, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Learning the inside of you and what it means to, you know, you're thrown into a group of people from all over the world that you've never met before and you have to find this cohesion and there are people yeah. that are stronger and weaker and some that really aggravate you and others that you really get along with and you have to work like you're one organism. Yeah. Um, so dropping all of that stuff. And I was young, you know, so I'd just come out. How of old were you? I was going to ask. Oh, I just finished high school. And so oh, okay. um, it was so like during my gap year. 
yeah, it was during my gap year. So other people went to Europe and did America and I was like, I'll do army training in Israel. Thanks. And, um, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and <laughs> and so that's what I did. And so, yeah, and so that was really um, sober, sobering and humbling for me. I grew a lot um, because, you know, you come to see that we are all the same and what it really, you know, what the human spirit is made of. And I remember being taught it's not I can't, it's I don't want. And yeah, yeah. getting beyond that 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 mentality of like I can't do this or we can't do this and it's how much do you want this and what are the creative solutions around this um, really stuck with me after the army and so well, after that program. And so when I left, to answer your question, again, actually it was my cousin that got quite emotional and he said, you know, it's amazing that you're fi- I didn't see this at the time. He said, it's amazing that you're finding a way back there. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? I never even thought to go back there. And he yeah. said, I remember how moved you were by that experience after the oh. army experience so, and the fact that you found your way back is really beautiful. So, Was this your cousin in Australia or cousin yeah. in Israel? No, yeah, I, yeah, I don't have family here um, in, cousin, in Australia. Oh, so you yeah. don't have any close or immediate family in Israel either? Well, since my since then, my sister has moved over. She moved over um, two or three ah, years ago. Amazing. But, yeah, built yeah. Built the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's where you then made this transition of, because I was thinking to myself, had you not done that army immersion course, your life probably would have turned out a bit different because it, it would have given you so much confidence and just the ability to believe in yourself. You know, like you say, there's no such thing as can't. It's just don't want to. I don't want. Absolutely. And I think I already had that in me. It resonated with something deep inside of me because yeah. in my teen years, and I know that you recently shared your experience about your mental health journey, um, yeah. I had been diagnosed in my early, t- or my um, a generalized anxiety disorder and clinical depression, and I had yeah. um, healed myself from that, at, at least begun to in those years. And so because I had dug deep and decided, no, you know, this will not be it for me, um, I understood that. I really understood that on a visceral level, that it's, this is not a fate that one has to always accept. One can yeah. definitely work yeah. with this and find ways around it and, um, and work with it. And even in my case, I eventually moved beyond it. So, um, Yeah, I was just going to say, like, especially for someone at that age to get diagnosed, like in your teen years, mm-hmm. and then with that as your background to go on and do probably one of the most nerve-wracking of all jobs in the world news presenting Mm -hmm. live news presenting in one of the most intense areas of the planet like israel is the only country in the world that has been at war for the last 50 years right so it's just it's like a constant red alert that's something that people that live outside of israel don't appreciate about the country is how amazing it is the stuff that has come out of Israel considering the challenges that the country has faced from all neighboring countries, right? So this is, I often, and when I get anxiety, ever since I've, whatever, virtually had encountered you, I always kind of use you a bit of a benchmark when I get anxious about stuff or even like now with an earthquake. Like I'm thinking about you having to survive in Tel Aviv which is under a constant threat of 
whatever missile attack and yeah there might be sophisticated military that can protect the city but it's not a hundred percent and so you must be i so i've got super close friends here metal and shaoli who live like they're my neighbors here and i live in quite a remote area of new zealand called golden bay and they moved out of israel probably same time that i moved here about 10 years ago and they i remember when i had my first bouts with anxiety when I'd gone off my medication, they didn't really fully understand what that meant. And I think, and I don't know if this is true, but is there a lower than average level of anxiety diagnosis in Israel and depression than the rest of the world? <laughs> Absolutely is that true? not. Not okay, at all. It's probably one of the highest rates of PTSD. So it's the opposite. The okay, yeah, yeah, I was going to say. But I think, but I think that, um, you know, to what you're saying, just to also paint a clearer picture, while, yes, Israel is under a constant state of threat, quote, unquote, that's not what the lived experience of everyday life is because, you no. know, we're not running from missiles every day. There are about, you know, there are upticks in, in violence and there are, you know, sporadic incidents on the streets, etc. Certainly not in Tel Aviv, right, but outside and closer to the Gaza border and the Lebanon border, yeah. etc. However, because, as you said, that Israel has been under a constant state of threat and fighting for its very right to exist since its establishment and even you know before then this area yeah. was full of that those kinds of stories Israel has this resilience which i guess is what what you would which what where you were going with other lower rates of anxiety and depression yeah. you're thinking to yourself well they've got bigger fish to fry um, yeah. and i understand that that leap that you're making and there is that in terms of you know they the norm for them is that something can go wrong at any moment so instead of being nervous all the time they live as if this is their last day right they live with this verb for life amazing there are deeper connections because people understand the essence of life and love and connection and brotherhood and kinship that doesn't mean that people aren't cutting off each other in traffic and in the line that's absolutely what their culture is <laughs> <laughs> but that's... it's because they're like brothers it's like their family they'll do what yeah. they want they'll get from each other but someone doesn't even have to hit the ground on a you know on a scooter accident and there's a whole host of people that pick them up and put them to the side and they're in an ambulance their response to 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 to, to um to danger or to to potential yeah, crisis swift. so swift yeah. yeah so it's it's like that and that what is what i guess was also really amazing for me to work in the news um was that you know i remember talking to a colleague on the way home from work when i was in the anchor chair and he was a reporter reporting from a refugee camp and there was gunfire behind him and you know, I was like at the beginning of my career here and I was like, wow, that was that would have been really intense for you and stuff. And he just thought, no, it's just like a regular Tuesday, you know, like there was gunfire <laughs> around him. It wasn't even a thing. And then he said to me, how long is the flight back to Australia? And I said, oh, about, you know, 21 hours in the air. And he said, oh, my God, how do you do that? I can't even. And I was like, isn't that funny? <laughs> Our different like can't imagine flying that long whereas i'm like you've got gunfire around you and you think yeah totally normal so. so i think it's about the body the human body and brain just getting used to things that happen consistently i guess over time the human body can get used to like you think about it pain like if there's chronic pain people's mm -hmm. bodies accommodate for that mm -hmm. and 
I guess PTSD and anxiety are forms of pain in your in your brain, I guess, in, right. in a way. Everybody responds differently, though. You know, I was it was recently a, a conflict here, a quote unquote war, where we were, you know, living in bomb shelters for several days on end, and yeah. um, you know, running back and forth. And you know, everyone has different reactions. Some people are majorly affected that have been living here their whole life. Um, and others are, are not, you know, they don't even go to the bomb shelter because everyone has their different way of coping. Yeah. And that's why when people talk about stress reactions or certain people say, oh, you know, I have nothing to complain about or et cetera, you can't judge your experience. What feels like a problem to you is real for you. And yeah. we can't say, well, I shouldn't be worried about this, et cetera. We need to just look at what's going on in our physiology, you know. Yeah, I guess that's what, um, as humans, we just tend to generalize because it's, you know, the, our lived experience is the only thing that we know about, right? So we extrapolate that onto other people. Um, I recently had a psychologist, amazing woman, um, Lisa McLennan. She's Maori from here from New Zealand, and she worked used to work in addiction counseling. And she said that people... You know, like you just like you just mentioned, everyone has a different experience. But it's also that when you go through trauma, your your body is it, when you let's say see someone in your when her as a as a consulting therapist sees someone in her office, she says the very first thing that she does is she gets gets them to give a blood sample and gets the blood sample analyzed because like you just mentioned you never know what else is going on in the body that's leading to these stress responses and i guess when you say everyone's got different ways of dealing with this i immediately the scientist in me immediately goes oh, okay it's genetics right so if you come from a long line of people that have experienced stress over time you know, certain genes gets turned on and off and those are the ones that then get passed on. Like, how would you explain the fact? Because we're all the same animal, right? How can mm -hmm. our reaction to stress be so different? Mm. Well, we're all the same animal, but we certainly don't all have the same nervous system and the same physiology and we all don't walk the exact same steps, which is why we all have to only look within ourselves, right? At what's going on and what's true for us in terms of our experience, right? Yeah. So there's no point comparing your journey to another person's because they have not worked, walked the exact same footsteps as you, as you, even if you grew up in the same household with the same parents, right? You, yeah. you know, had a very different experience of life and your parents probably parent you differently. And, you know, you also come into the world with, with different, um, you know, likes and dislikes. When you look at children... Yeah right? When you look at nature versus nurture, why is it that these, you know, children are just born with these particular idiosyncrasies? You know, I have a cousin who's had a, had a baby. That, you know, boogies in the chair. That is just her thing. When she eats, she starts shaking and shimmying <laughs> her shoulders. It's the cutest thing. Now, you know, that's just yeah. the idiosyncrasy that is unique to her. So yeah. <clears throat> the, the brain and the body um, is just so complex and we are, we are still working it out everything even science are theories everything is theory right yeah. there's no fact that we've landed on that we've said this is 100 percent true because then facts are always being disproven and then we're building on yeah them. well maybe so, gravity but yeah okay so gravity i mean <laughs> give me that one yeah. 
Yeah. But I was going to oh, no, say. Obviously, there are things that we get. But <laughs> well, there aren't actually. You're completely know. right. That everything <laughs> is a theory. But yeah, like gravity, we can prove, right? <laughs> In mm -hmm. real time. Everything mm -hmm. else, it's hard. Like, you know, most mm -hmm. of the discoveries of molecular biology, we need electron microscopes to see what's mm -hmm. going on that you mm -hmm. can't see with the naked eye. But I was mm -hmm. going to hark back to you sitting, doing this intense live broadcasting of mm -hmm. news and you deciding at some point in the last five or six years to make a transition out of that. Was there an epiphany yeah. that you had or was what, yeah. what happened there, Tracy? <laughs> so well, the funny thing is that my big dream was always to be a meditation teacher, right? When Since I learned the technique that I learned. So while I was in LA okay. um, uh, studying acting, I was... Yeah going through, as I said, a lot of this kind of like mental gymnastics and with my background, having had in, you know, I was no longer taking medication for it, et cetera, but I still absolutely had the, the habitual response of anxiety, right, to life. Um, yeah. I ha was introduced to this, this style of meditation that changed my life. It changed my physiology. It changed my neural wiring. It changed my response to life it changed the, the lens through which I was able to look able to look at the world because the way that I work now is body mind because I saw that even if you tell your mind one thing I know better right oh I can I know that I could be looking at like at looking at the world like this if your body doesn't believe it if the body believes a different story it's much harder for your mind to make that jump and wow yeah and to align it so what happened for me the big break in that anxious pattern was that I was able to de-excite my nervous system and get all of this old built up stress out of my body and start to strengthen the connection with my parasympathetic nervous system and start to lay down those cords for much more healthy and sustainable train paths of thinking. So yeah. I'd learned this technique that changed my life and since then had always dreamed of being a meditation teacher, but you know, was going down this road of journalism because, you know, I'd done the acting and then I'd seen this and that was kind of where my consciousness was at. And I'd probably um, say you were kind of pulled and pulled into that direction as well, right? So as yeah, humans, we love it when people encourage us to do something or they say, you'd be good at that. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I can be good at that, right? So we, we yeah, often respond was... to what people think we should do. Sure. And there was also still a lot going on for me in, in, in my inner world and my relationship with the outside world. So having made a decision to move out of acting, which was quote unquote unstable for my mother, telling her I was yeah. moving into journalism, there was a lot of safety that was evoked in her, which then was reflected into me as something that it's good. Wow. Because I had okay. developed a good, I had developed um, an unhealthy relationship around that with my mother as a child because when yeah. I lost my father being the adult um, being the eldest child sorry I took on this role of I need to make sure that my mom is okay so I had developed wow. this kind of codependent if she's okay I'm okay relationship so yeah the fact that she felt safe with journalism I felt like this is definitely a good move and within there there was also some need to prove that I had made it as well 
which was also yeah. a reaction to having had a mental illness and feeling like I was broken and flawed and yeah. disappointment. So there was a whole lot of stuff going on there that was behind those decisions, right? I think a lot of people can relate to that, Tracy, like yeah. that parenting your parents a little bit and being so transgenerationally linked almost like your nervous system is shared right yeah, you can hear I it from would... when you talk to your parents when you talk to your mother and she's nervous you get nervous right and that's not the same thing with other people so there is that sure. link that sure. we have you know it's so funny right now i'm staring out the window at and i can see there's a an air conditioner kind of vent on the outside of a building and yeah. a, and it on it family that's what's, that's Amazing. That's Synchronicity, so man. There you go. Um, it's so all yeah. around us. Yeah. So I was, I, but I wasn't aware of that then because I was still going through my no, own of course journey. Not. Yeah. And, you know, looking back on it now because of the work that I do now, I can now I can see what was really going on and driving those things, which is why I call myself in the world of fancy named coaches an alignment coach because it's about finding your alignment and your truth. And so I had to shed all of these um, unconscious attachments and habits that I had. So in those years, I knew I wanted to be a meditation teacher, but I, because of how much this technique had, had helped me, although yeah. I wasn't yet ready, right? I still had some work to do to be able to really help others, right? And um, I went on my journey with the, with the journalism, which led me to Israel, et cetera, et cetera. And when I was here, what caused that switch was multiple things so the first was working in the thick of the world's pain right so the lens yeah. through which i was looking at the world was how angry are we how divided are we how much suffering how much pain what's going wrong right and then the kinds of uh, the show i had was called perspectives and so for an hour, we were trying to get deeper perspectives or perspectives that weren't often shared around world issues. But really, you know, in actuality, what I was doing was holding court for tired debates about entrenched issues that, you know, only further entrenched the viewers' ideas of what they already believed. And I could, could just see that this was this, you know, like cycle that was just feeding more fear and anger and division into the outside world. Yeah. It was doing nothing to create a sense of safety and unity and connectedness. And because now I was, you know, 12 years into my meditation journey, I had now, I was far more tapped into this unity consciousness, right? That we are all one kind of a thing, right? Yeah. We have our small self, which is our, you know, unique expression, how we're living out, you know, um, you know, our desires and joys and evolving beyond our pain and some scars, as you'd call it, which are like the stress impressions on your nervous system. Um, and, but then how, why, while this is kind of like the wave, we are each wave in a much grander ocean. You can't separate the wave from the ocean. The wave is the ocean, nice. right? Yeah. And so we are all that ocean and then we are just, the expressions of that in our unfolding of our life and our life it feels as if um you know this is the only thing that's going on because we're living it in real time but if you were to zoom out from planet earth 
and then yeah. zoom out in the universe and looking at time and space a wave you know the the life cycle of a wave it's like happened it's been and gone already right your life yeah. is started and finished it's over already but if you are the wave, <laughs> wow, you're experiencing like... it as it unfolds and it all feels like the biggest thing that's happening but absolutely that's not you are a blip you are an absolute yep. blip so how do we live our life with with an awareness of our small self and really nourishing that and and living out our best life and experience it and experiencing it while at the same time being very well aware of our connectedness with everything else so i was really trying to reconcile this belief system while working in the news <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. and thinking you know life doesn't have to be like this we don't we aren't here to suffer we aren't here to be angry we aren't here to hate each other we aren't here to be in pain right these things are a part of life and come as uh, lessons for us to transcend to go beyond uh, to evolve beyond but what we're doing yeah, here yeah. is we're keeping ourselves stuck in it and I am an agent of keeping ourselves stuck by working here in this role so that was the one thing that caused me to make this jump and the other was purely you know a personal level of, of burnout right because yeah, yeah. I was living out of alignment this wasn't my, where I needed to be anymore certain things serve a purpose for your life for a particular period of time right the journalism yeah, yeah. had absolutely served a role for me um, but then it, it, it reached its expiry date and so now it was starting to feel really jagged in my skin uh, and I was like this doesn't fit me anymore so yeah. as you could have can hear through my story I've never stayed anywhere that no longer was in so alignment with where I was at yeah so I was like all right well I guess we're done here <laughs> so um, jumped into the abyss you jump into the abyss yeah that's <laughs> I think the scary thing that everyone is like uh there's no ladder there there's no harness yeah. there's no safety net um so the concept of alignment is that something that you'd learned back in Los Angeles in the meditation or is that something that you developed yourself over the yeah. last couple of years Yes, I developed, I de well, I've called it a, the alignment system that I teach, but yep. I, I realized that that's what I was helping people do because that's what I had been doing for myself over these years was finding greater alignment. And in order to do that, we need to be fearless. And what that means is letting go of things that you were once attached to. As you said at the very beginning of this conversation, oftentimes we would rather do these things that are causing us chaos because they feel familiar and safe because we yeah. know them better the devil you know, right? Um, yeah. And so, you know, something was said to me when I was on my way out of the news. I'd, I'd gone to Bali to learn with two teachers and one of my teachers, Guru Mok, I, I said to him, you know, why do you live the lifestyle that you live? He's a Sikh. Then he obviously abstains from a lot of the things that we love to do in our life yeah. um, and we think is bringing us happiness and joy and peace but is is not um, ultimately and um, it's bringing us momentary pleasure or escapism etc yeah um, in many cases and I asked him why and he said you know people come to me and they say Gorumuk I just need I need some peace and can you please help show me how to get some peace and he says well don't worry about trying to get peace because you're never going to have it you're never going to get it wow and what? what do you mean? Why? Why can't I have why can't I have peace? Guru Muk, you have peace, can't I have peace? And he says, Don't worry about getting peace. 
let's just look at what do you do in the course of your day? What do you think? What do you eat? What are your habits? What are your behaviors? And then at the end of each thing that you do, look at whether it brings you peace or chaos. And if it brings you chaos, just stop doing that. And then all you're left with are things that bring you peace. Yeah, but Gurumuk, you know, listen, <laughs> I have a job and I have my family and my mother needs me to blah, 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 blah. You know, I can't. And he says, well, exactly. That's why I said don't, don't even bother looking for it. If you're so attached to the things that are causing you chaos, just don't bother asking for peace. At least just release yourself. Wow, of the yeah, so true. You know? And what he's saying is I'm not saying run away from your mother and quit your job, but how are you relating to that thing? Can you go yeah. about it with a bit more, you know, pace? Can you go a little bit slower? Is there a, a way that you're thinking about it that we can refine your intellect in the way that you're approaching that thing, the way that you're approaching that relationship, you know? And that's when it goes into more of the, the depth, boundaries, yeah. communication, et cetera, et cetera. Can we change the way that we're interacting with the world in that it's causing us chaos? Drop the things that are causing you chaos and then you're left with peace. And so... You know, what I had developed over the course of my life was the ability to recognize what was bringing me chaos and develop a fearlessness that would allow me to to drop it. Uh, because I thought that my biggest problem, right, when I was in the news, if I were to look at myself honestly, was that, you know, I, I didn't feel like I had a sense of, of trust in the world, right? Because I was like, why is the world so cruel? Yeah. Why are people suffering in Yemen? Understandably, yeah. Yeah, and, and this was obviously me looking at the world through my own personal story because of what had happened to me as a child that I hadn't fully healed. And I wasn't looking at the destruction operator because through the Vedic worldview, we don't look at things in, in polarities, good and bad, right and wrong, like we tend to with our Western worldview. We look at things, tends to be in threes, as just forces of nature. Um, yeah, and so there's yeah. the destruction, uh, there's the create creation, maintenance and destruction operators that are in play at all times. Creation is always happening when there's relevance for it, it's being maintained. And when it's no longer relevant, destruction operator comes in, which creates space for the creation operator, right? And it's happening in yeah. cycles all the time from day and night to the seasons, to the life of a tree, to whatever it is, right? Whatever we see and experience on the planet. Birth and death. And yeah, everything. So yeah, just to, to, to kind of, um, to wrap that up, I thought that my issue was, was not trusting the universe. And what I had done by jumping into this abyss was effectively saying to the universe, I do trust you. I didn't even know yeah. that deep down. I, I knew I would be okay. I knew it would work itself out. I knew I would work out what needed to happen next. Um, there was deep down this, this trust that was underneath the stress impressions of trauma that said the story, I don't trust in the ultimate support of the universe. You know? Amazing. Like that power was stronger than mm -hmm. the other stuff that was leading you. So at this point in time, were you doing the meditating every morning? Like when you were doing twice the news? A day. Twice a day. I was sitting in the, on the cubicle, on the floor of a toilet cubicle in the afternoon. Um, do my second meditation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the news, at the news, at the, news at the company. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. Of all places to do meditating. Yeah. 
yeah. Escape. So Guru Mukh, like who you met in Bali, you said he mm. was, what was he, Sikh? He's a Sikh, yeah. He's a Sikh, okay, right. Yeah, um, although that's different, you know, there are so many different kinds of. Yeah, yeah, but they, uh, they don't drink, they're a bit like Mormons in that they don't drink alcohol, basically none of the pleasures of the flesh, kind of. That's what I was, yeah, uh, that's what I was referring to when yeah. I did. Um, which, so yeah, having my, I went through this massive transition, which I briefly spoke about with you, where I used to be, yeah, addicted to alcohol, cigarettes, marijuana, coffee, like that was my, and my life was literally that. Wake up in the morning, have cigarettes and coffee, smoke marijuana every now and then, but alcohol every night. And I went through the psychosis and then I quit everything. And it's actually now this weekend is my one year anniversary from that happening. And wow. I remember you being one of the, um, like, cause when you're in that state and you're coming out, you're a bit like my psychologist that I talked to, she says you're a bit like a newborn child, not only coming out of psychosis cause all your, you know, your brains are, your brain's rewiring itself but also mm -hmm. not feeding your body these addictive substances anymore, right? So I'd smoke a pack a day for 25 years, right? And I'd smoke marijuana for that long and alcohol. And so my system had gotten so accustomed to it and so happy. I, I gained so much joy out of these things that when I came out of the psychosis and then I was just like, oh, I'll probably never be happy again in my life, like for the first couple of months. And mm -hmm. then you realize that the simplest things can make you as high as when you smoke marijuana, right? So that can be swimming or walking or, that was the greatest revelation that I ever had. And also listening to people. And this was the thing that when I heard you talk was another one of those that just, and I guess it's got something to do with that, your alignment and that you just know where you are and that resonates in your voice and what you talk about is, there's just so much wisdom in there that, it automatically makes me feel good just listening. It doesn't even mean, matter what the topic is. Like, Tracy, <laughs> there's, I fall asleep to your things that you talk about. And um, what's his name? Alan, Alan Watts? Mm -hmm. um, because, like, these are universal truths that you talk about, right? So I don't even, I don't think my brain is even comprehending the language. It's literally just, uh, I guess, the purpose or the, the underlying intent of what is being said that resonates with me and helps me sleep. Yeah, so. it's self-affirming. It's all it's showing you is something you already know. You already know it. It's like none of it is, we're not finding anything new. No. We're just reconnecting with, with what's already there. And to talk to what you said about coming off all of those, that smoke screen that you had really effectively yeah. and necessarily obviously for that time of your life created for yourself because the world was just too big to feel. Um, you know, sometimes we build these smoke screens to protect ourselves. But the reason that we associate feeling good and joyful with these things is because we're addicted to the stress response. We have been living in yeah. fight and flight our whole life. And so we associate that with our normal feeling. And those are the feelings of happiness. But that's actually an unsustainable state to be living in. We're living with the stress reaction as our, as our default state. And just to paint a picture as to what is happening in your body when you have that stress reaction, and I know you know this with your biology background, but yeah. you know your body is being 
flooded with stress chemicals that are causing your your blood to coagulate to get thicker your skin and your bones to become acidic right as a protective yeah. mechanism that if you were to be bitten you'd be spat out your blood is being redirected from your vital organs which would allow you to digest your food and um you know think have, have access to your higher order thinking and your creative thinking and your right brain to your extremities so that you can have this superpower burst of strength within a hundredth of a second right and yeah. think about what what is happening in in your body with inflammation and cancer formation and you know with stress related illnesses being the biggest killers of our time it's because yeah. this stress response is being triggered every time our expectations of the world aren't being met every time there's a car horn honked we look at our phone we can't meet a deadline you know for work or you know we miss the bus or we have a fight with our partner absolutely everything that we're interacting with in the modern day world watching the news reading on social media and this has become our regular living state so the minute that we start to come down off this high we think that life no longer feels good and feels muted and feels less than and you're bored etc etc but as you experienced, once you actually come back down to your resting state, you start to have access to so much more. You don't need to be on this adrenaline-fueled, cortisol-fueled high to feel yeah. pleasure and connection. You can have a conversation with a friend. You can just eat some food. Now, people think, oh, yeah, but that feels, I'm telling you, the sustained happiness comes from inner fulfillment and it only comes from when you're in a relaxed state and that is when you start to really be able to tap into your unique gifts people want to find their purpose they want to feel consistently fulfilled that only comes from when you come into a relaxed state and you have a global connection with your brain and viewpoint of the world yeah. as you in your unique expression right so yeah. that's why we have to be consistently doing a meditation technique that is designed to release stress from your body because meditation has become like a synonym for multiple practices right but it's like saying when people say oh, i don't i don't like meditation or i can't do meditation it's like saying i don't like food or i can't eat food <laughs> right it's like <laughs> well most people food, say like myself right? i can't sit still right that's the big first excuse everyone it's hard to sit still and still your mind almost mm -hmm. impossible and, and there's also a myth that meditation is about stilling your mind whoever went and said that really has a lot of explaining to do because um <laughs> millions of people off of it, it, it yeah it's, it's confused people and then people think they're doing it wrong and no one likes to do things that they think they're failing at so yeah. it's also about getting rid of the myths of what meditation is and <clears throat> mindfulness for example is you know a particular practice of using focus and concentration to cultivate present moment awareness right so the same yeah. way that you eat blueberries and it has a particular way of eating and preparing that food and ingesting it and it has a particular effect on the body so therefore mindfulness also does then if you were to eat say chicken right you need you can't just eat it raw like you would eat a blueberry you need to cook it and you need to whatever like season it etc and then it would have a different effect wow what a great it. analogy for meditation <laughs> but so like so your al alignment system is not has its own way of is its own recipe 
right? It's, it's Baba well, Ganoush. My alignment system is my own Baba Ganoush, but it's yeah. not my own meditation practice. I didn't create the meditation practice. I yeah. use meditations, a particular meditation style within the alignment method because as I have gone through life, I realized, well, meditation was one of many things that created big leaps in my healing. So I have taken the things that I also needed as adjuncts to meditation in terms of mindset and body support um, yeah. to allow for people to attend to things inside meditation, outside meditation in acute moments and in order to continue to develop um, yeah. over the course of their growth and transformation. So the style of meditation that I teach is not concentrative in nature like mindfulness is an example of. And yeah. it's not contemplative in nature, like these guided relaxations and visualizations are. So people say, oh, I meditate. I listen to the app that says to me, you know, think about a time when you blah, blah, blah. And like they're evocative yeah. and they're state, state changing. And they're great. They're great. And they have a particular effect on the body, which is to change the state and make you feel relaxed and nice in the moment. And then you go back out into the world as the exact same version of you. Perhaps you're a little bit nicer for the first 10 minutes, but then you go back <laughs> into your old pattern. You know, yeah. and and so I discovered this along my my journey to try and find something that sustainably changed the way that I responded and thought about the world. It changed my inner relationship with the outside world. The outside world was exactly the same. I can't do anything about that, but I could change my inner relationship with it. And so this meditation technique is about getting stress out of the body. This is not a meditation technique for monks. Monks use very different techniques techniques. This is a technique designed for what they call in India householders, people that want to have a connection with their job, have a connection with the material world, have a family, have hobbies, you know, they want to be their best self and their most effective and productive and inspired self. And we need to start by removing old stress from the body, from the physiology, from times that we didn't have the skills to adapt right? Because yeah. otherwise, when we're responding to the present day scenario with memories of the past ingrained in our nervous system, because when we have a stress reaction, right, we feel it where? In the body, our yeah. senses, our sight. Mostly in the stomach. Well, that would be your experience, right? Yeah. Others well, would yeah, say, I experience this and that, right? My, my, I feel like I, my head, my thoughts leave my body, right? I, my brain yeah. leaves my body. Others get you know, tingling in the hands, heart palpitations, all these different kinds of um, physio physiological responses to stress. Others might yeah. not even feel it because it becomes muted because it's actually too big for the body to process. So it pushes it down for a time where the body now feels safe enough to process it, which is why when people say, wow, this happened to me so many years ago, why is it such an issue? Well, at the time, your body didn't feel safe enough to, to look at it yet um, yeah. and to be able to hold that again. So... Uh, when we store, uh, our body also does this to protect us. So if we go through an experience, the body in its bid to protect us for the future takes a snapshot of the environment, which is called a premature cognitive commitment, meaning okay. that the next time we experience something similar, as in we saw, we see something similar, smell something similar, taste, hear, etc., something similar, our body prematurely cognitive makes a cognitive commitment to it being a threat for us again so for example wow you go out and you drink uh, too much tequila and you end up you know throwing up the next day and you feel you know deathly sick all i have to do is say to you would you like a glass of tequila and you want to hurl again 
but you yeah. didn't even drink it. Just the, just the thought of it triggers a stress response in the body because you've yeah. prematurely, before it's even happened, committed to it being a problem for you now. And so that's what we do is that we're seeing the world in the present through a lens of what our nervous system remembers from the past. So we need to update our nervous system from the parts that are no I longer understand relevant. That. Mm-hmm. So the problem with alcohol in that metaphor, though, is that alcohol also works as an analgesic and it mm. kind of wipes your brain of all things. So that's why you go back to it, mm. right? Because if it would be this premature cognitive commitment of ours that alcohol causes us to vomit, there's plenty of people who vomited after alcohol who go straight back to drinking the tequila again, right? Mm, mm, mm. So yeah. it's... Alcohol in that sense, or any narcotic, I guess, would be something where the body obviously knows this isn't good for it, right? But it's like you said, it's that alignment thing where the most of us in the Western world use our brains and then we use our body. Whereas what mm-hmm. you're, I guess, is, is where you're driving towards is to listen more to the body and let that dictate how your brain reacts. Is that right? Absolutely. I definitely work body mind because, you know, when you when you can say to yourself, you know, I, you know, it felt right. Right. We make a lot of decisions based on what felt right. And I believe that the mind will have experience that the mind is here to detect the heart's wisdom. Mm -hmm. Right. The body knows the intuition. Intuition is a knowing quiet sense. Right. And instinct is a reaction, right? That's a mind, fear, stress response. That when we say my instinct told me, well, we need to look at that, right? What really is that? That's often a protective instinct or a survival instinct, right? The intuition is what we want to listen for because that comes from a sense of of knowing and safety. Um, Yeah. So so much in our society, though, from our educational systems and stuff are basically geared towards banging that out of us that type of listening to your gut listening we've kind of marginalized it a little bit too much i um the indigenous australians so to hark back to your Mm -hmm. motherland well wherever Mm -hmm. your motherland is they Mm -hmm. said that there's three minds at working in a human being and that's your heart your brain and your gut and that Mm -hmm. in the indigenous Australian philosophy, all of your actions should be guided from your gut to your heart to your brain, but everything in a Western mindset is the exact opposite way around. So everything from the food that we eat is masking the microbes that are living in our gut that are helping inform our nervous system of these intuitive, Mm, I couldn't agree more. What do you call reflexes, I guess? Where would you say the heart of intuition? What what lies at the, the basis of that? Where does that come from? Intuition. Intuition. Yeah. yeah. I think that intuition is the intelligence of, of the entire mechanics of the universe, right? So okay. we think as, as humans that we're separate to nature, but we're yeah. a part of it, right? And everything is in complete working order. It knows exactly what it needs to do all the time. We don't say to the tree, now take that piece of, you know, those, those nutrients from the soil and put that there. And the tree knows exactly what it needs to do and how it needs to, to exist harmoniously with the earth, et cetera, et cetera. And nature has an order to it that is yeah. intelligent. And we have that too, right? We have just disconnected from that deeper knowing of how to exist harmoniously with the rest of our environment. 
right? So when we yeah. talk about co-creation, co-creating with nature, co-creating with the universe, right, what we're looking for is a sense of frictionlessness or flow, right? But what we yeah. do, we impose our petulant will of desire onto the outside world. And because we have this thing of, I'll only be happy if X happens, right? Yeah. So we, we shut off our opportunities for fulfillment and happiness and to be able to interact with the world around us in a way that is nourishing and rewarding because we're saying I'll only be happy um, if this happens, which is tied to a lot of what's shown to us in society will give us safety, right? Social status, you know, community, um, yeah. be able to put a house over our head with has to be a fancy house and be able to put on jobs and journalism versus and, acting. Yeah, yeah. Like all of that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we have veered further and further away from our ability to connect with our true nature and our intuition is effectively the, the guide, the inner compass that's telling you, you know, um, ha like helping you connect with a flowing frictionlessness path through life. But what we do is we decide, no, 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 I'm only going to do it this way, right? And yeah. we decide that it's like the, wa with the wave ocean analogy before. It's like the wave saying, no, 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 hang on, I'm going to go left now or I'm going to be a big tidal wave or I'm going to be a, you know, and resisting the current yeah. that's flowing up from underneath it that's part of something much bigger than itself, right? So, you know, we think we're the centre of the universe. But actually, every oh, exactly. move you make is is affecting absolutely everything around you. Um, and yeah, so, I, um, I saw a really nice, um, you know, Sadhguru. Yes, I was just going to say that. You say he, I just well, I just saw that yesterday. He was asked. I, I can't remember who it was. It had something Matthew to do with him. Matthew McConaughey. No, it was someone. It was oh. another. It was another. It was the one of the drummers of Rage Against the Machine who was also a motorcyclist who asked him about uh, riding a motorcycle and why he liked riding a motorcycle and he was talking about how the motorcycle helped him um, feel free and all the stuff and Sadhguru was like well I don't actually think that way like I don't need to be free he's like in my mind I realize that I am part of this world where all of us there are billions of little minds all around and all of us have our own intent on trying to do something but in order for things to happen, multiple people need to have the similar thought. So when things don't go your way, it just it doesn't mean that the universe is against you. It's just that the other millions of little minds are not thinking in the same pattern. And he's like, it's a good thing that we live in that universe because if we'd live in any other universe where one mind is more powerful than the other, then that wouldn't really be a very nice place to live. But you tell me you're Matthew McConaughey one. Yeah, so he said something, you know, same, same, but different. He said, yeah. um, you know, if, if things always had to go my way, well, then things would never go your way, yeah. right? So you should be very happy that sometimes things don't go your way, right? Because if you of think course, about it yeah. like that, it's like, no, if it's always going to go your way, then it's never going to go my way. And if it's always going to go my way, it's never going to go your <laughs> way. So you have, to be, you have to be happy about the fact that sometimes things go your way and sometimes things go someone else's way. And thank goodness for that. Otherwise, maybe it would Amazing. never go my way. If you were the guy with all the luck, that it always goes your way. Um, <laughs> so when things don't go our way, we should be happy for other people because well, things are going is, well for them. That's a great way well, to be. This is my worldview. So yeah. the, the worldview that I have is that if we are all one, right? And I know this might sound 
sound woo-woo, but it's a very pacifying way to live. If we are all one, right, if something doesn't go my way, for example, and it wasn't my turn to get that job or to get that pay rise or to get the role in the movie or whatever it is, and it goes your way, well, then you're just, it's also going my way, right? Because for the collective, somebody won, right? It has yeah. to be also fulfilling for me that you also got your way because you are an extension of me. And we can also exactly. use it. It's so hard in, to do, but yeah. But 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 here's a way of applying it, okay? Because yes, 100%. We can talk about, yeah, we're all connected and so you and me and so I'm happy for you and blah, blah, blah. But yes, we can get into those things, but I just wanted it to be me. Here's a way of doing it. I had recently a friend of mine who had this, who was um, given this incredible career opportunity, right? Yeah. And it was in journalism, right? So something I've left. And regardless of the fact that I don't want to do it, this, this wave bubbled up inside of me of, gosh, like, that would be amazing. I wish I could do that, right? Yeah. Um, I would have liked to do that. And so what I did was I closed my eyes and I dipped into this place of, first of all, what is it that I wanted to feel? right? Because a lot of the time, it's not the job, it's not the house, it's something that we want to feel, right? I want to feel yeah. worthy, I want to feel safe, I want to feel whatever it is. So can I, first of all, access those feelings already inside of myself? That's the one place that you can just go for instant support for those feelings that you can access straight away. And yeah. then the second was, if she is me, I'm going to now imagine myself doing, walking her footsteps, going, doing that job, receiving the email of your, we've, uh, we want you to do this job, you know, being flown to this new country to do this job, doing it every day, right? Feel, seeing myself in it. And now yeah. I had that full experience that she's having. I got it. I had it in my imagination. I had that experience, right? I gave it to myself. And then in doing that experiment, I realized that actually I didn't want to have to actually do those things right i'm glad she has to go and do it because that comes with a whole other side to it which yeah. i don't want right so she has to go and actually walk those steps but i took myself through an imaginary journey of getting the things out of it that i wanted and i can go and live that experience that i want as her in my imagination and she as an wow. extension of me gets to go and do those it things in real so, life so, so how long did you do that thought experiment like five people. minutes like it's not that you live yeah. through it the way you'd yeah, imagine and I went, yeah that feels good and now I've done it I gave myself the feelings that I needed to feel and now I can just if I ever want to go back and revisit that experience I can just close my eyes and go into her body and yeah. imagine what it would be like to be her living that experience you know so um, so I was also thinking on top of the whole imagining and being happy for other people because if you don't get what you want, someone else in this universe is getting what they want. The other thing is, is that there's so many things going on at once in this world and that for everything to work out, whether that be finding, like in your case, an amazing partner or having children or being healthy, all of these things might be contingent on you doing exactly what you're doing at this moment in time. Whereas if you'd get that job that you were wanting to do and you'd be off that path who knows what might not happen right so you might not have I guess I'm trying to boil it down to you can't have everything at once right and 
in some ways for you to get somewhere you need to sacrifice other things is that well i guess that that again i guess it makes sense i understand what you're saying i think that that's contingent on the belief that the outside world is going to give you those feelings of inner fulfillment and they're not so it doesn't matter that's up to you. you get yeah it doesn't matter what you get and when you get it right if you are feeling content and fulfilled all the time it doesn't matter with what manifestation that comes to be whether you are expressing your fulfillment and joy for life in a partnership or your fulfillment and joy for life in your job that's just something that you're carrying with you everywhere you're not asking for the world to deliver you that feeling of inner contentment yeah, and fulfillment right so it doesn't matter and in terms of ha- you know having it all you do have it all because yeah, again what's by what, being what alive yeah well no yeah. but it's what what are you wanting from that job what are you wanting from that relationship? It's again, it's a feeling of completeness, True. of completeness, and, and a place to yeah, a place to express your joy. And if you have that all the time, it's not dependent on what you have to play with on the outside, right? And so this is not about not having desires. This is absolutely about what we talked about before, allowing those desires to bubble up inside of you in their unique expression that has been delivered to you through your nervous system to be experienced as you in the universe, right? You have these desires and you move towards them, but without attachment to them. Because sometimes what's, as you said, you know, if this happened, then this wouldn't happen. And if this didn't happen, this would have happened, et cetera, et cetera, right? What we're saying is that ultimately it's not the destination, right? But if we didn't move towards that destination, we would never have been able to interact with something else that came into our life, the purpose of which was for our evolution, right? It's not the purpose of which is for our pleasure. Yeah. (laughs) Right? No. Very true. So I was going to say, if we wanted to summarize, let's say, because you also take personal clients, like you do one-on-one work with people on top of the meditation and other things that we'll go into in a little bit. But in terms of this alignment system, would you say your ultimate goal, maybe I should let you finish that, but I would say the way I would interpret it is you're trying to lead someone back into a state of being where they can be at most in tune with their intuition, which in your mind is the source of all underpinnings of the universe. Is that something that you could... I guess so. I would say that my goal is for people to connect with their birthright, which is feeling blissful and free because life is not about suffering and insecurity and worrying all the time. What's the point of that, right? Yeah. So the alignment system is about shedding all of those layers of stress that are keeping you from feeling blissful and free. And what you learn through through the alignment system is how to stop future tripping right? Tripping into the future and worrying about the future, self-recriminating and ruminating about the past. How to identify your desires and connect with your intuition, how to flow and relax in terms of your approach to life, right? Not feeling like you're always having to run after something or that something's missing, something's wrong with you, or that you have to keep up with the Joneses and run the rat race at a million miles an hour or live by someone else's idea of success and perfection, It's about feeling aligned because you're connected with your truth, but truly connected to it, right? You feel 
like on fire in your life. You feel yeah. on fire with everything that you're doing. You feel inspired and motivated and you're able to surf the waves of life because evolution is happening whether you like it or not, right? And yeah. it's just about whether you're going to be able to surf those waves as they come and be flexible and adaptable. COVID was a great example of that. Or yeah. if you're going to be holding on to a branch in the, in the tsunami and be dragged, right? Yeah. So you learn how to use your energy effectively, efficiently, so that you get more by doing less. Life isn't meant to be about struggling. And no. I guess that, you know, the, the analogy that I use about people want balance in their life is a tightrope walker, right? When you look at a tightrope walker at the, whose goal, right, the purpose of a tightrope walker is to execute balance. Well, what does a tightrope walker look like? Are they walking stiff and in a straight line the entire time or are they swaying side to side in a very graceful, soft, flowing way, right? Yeah, That's sway. what balance, look like. balance looks like. It's about taking a step forward and going, oh, wait, this feels, there's something that feels a little bit like off, right? A little bit out of alignment. So I've got to drop Amazing. that, pick that up and, oh, that's feeling a little bit off on that side now. So I've got to pick that up. That's what balance looks like. But people yeah. think it's a structured, stiff, like on train tracks, which it isn't. Yeah, no. it's not. So I just had this incredible it. vision, Tracy, when you were saying that about evolution, and I was just thinking, yeah, well, firstly, you look at a tree, and the tree's not going to be stressed about growing at all. Like, mm. tree is just going to be growing, right? And grow. then I was thinking about chimpanzees or elephants, like. They're clampy. If a human being would have to live the life of a chimpanzee with the amount of stress levels that we get about nothing, right. it, it so would not be able to do anything. But a chimpanzee is never going to be having anxiety or worried or thinking about where the next bananas are going to come from. Yeah. It just and knows and it just enjoys it's, itself, like you said. It's about connecting with your true nature because, as you say, you know, this is exactly the analogy. It's so spot on. You know, the sun doesn't rise in the morning going, who can I give my light to? Right? How yeah. can I warm this earth? It just bees the sun. And by Amazing. being who it is, it gives warmth. It gives it does exactly what it needs to do. It does exactly what it needs to do. You don't yeah. need to find your purpose, right? Your purpose is a moment by moment um, interaction with life as it unfolds in front of you. What feels like the next right thing that I that I feel called to do? Amazing. That was what you said about Dharma. I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So what I can say is, Tracy, you are an amazing storyteller. I hope you listen back to this podcast because <laughs> like, we could keep this going for another couple of hours and I'm sure we wouldn't lose any listeners, but I'm realizing you still have a whole day ahead of you in Tel Aviv. So I can I, I ask you to... Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> can we have you on again maybe in the in the next in the new gregorian year like in february or something my absolute pleasure i love i would love it um Mm -hmm. so but this weekend we also have this stress detox thing happening which i think would be kind of good if you quickly would want to do a little rundown of what that entails yeah so i've developed um you know this seven day stress detox it starts on october 31st on sunday and i will if you want to put it in the show notes but you can also um, Definitely, yeah. so, I'll link to it. I'll go to my Instagram, um, yep. uh, so you can also link to that to, to sign up for it. 
And every day you're going to be given a new tool that's going to allow you to dissolve stress in your life and to start to build up a very easy and effortless self-care system for you to start eliminating stress in your life. Because once we can start to eliminate all of those obstacles that are preventing you from connecting with your truth, and that's just, that's the end of the mountain. What we want to start by doing is sleeping and feeling good about ourselves and effective at work and being a nice family member because when we're not we also start with that negative self-talk about not being good enough etc etc yeah we just want to start attending to the very basic things in life which is not feeling stressed by work overwhelmed by family um feeling like you know suffering insomnia etc etc so we're going to build a very easy and sustainable system for ourselves to offset stress So, you know, day one, we start with learning a particular breathing technique. We learn about um, mindfulness and meditation. We learn how to eat, how to sleep, how to practice gratitude to build up, you know, vagal tone to to strengthen the vagus, et cetera, et cetera. And it's for free. So you can come and do it. That's incredible. And integrating that into your life, right? You can keep going after the seven-day stress detox. It doesn't have to end there. And also put obviously links to yeah your website your Instagram and so I just wanted to tell you Tracy I am not a morning person at all like I love sleeping in <laughs> and that thing is at six a.m. the live first day so that'll be huge um, for me to be up at that hour so I might not be the most responsive but I'll definitely be there. If you can't come live, but all the videos are um, you know you can watch the replay. They'll the be repeated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'll definitely, I might still be in bed, but I'm definitely going to do it. So awesome. we'll do a shout out that. Have an absolutely incredible day, Tracy. And yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And we'd love to have you back. And yeah, we need you to write a book as well, I reckon, or something. <laughs> like, I could listen <laughs> to right. the stories for it's hours. It's been great. It's Thanks so much. Brilliant. Thanks so much for having awesome, me. Tracy. Have much love. Love, right, love. Take care. Bye bye. Awesome. Thank you very much for listening to episode seven. That was the glorious Tracy Alexander. Um, Yeah, what an incredible story. eh? And I look forward to having her back on the show early next year. There's still so many questions I have. Um, Yeah, so she's Tracy is doing the detox stress, stress detox program this weekend, starting on the 31st of October. So if you go to her Instagram or the link that I provide you with in the bio, you'll be able to register there. It's for free. It's a seven day course. If you've ever dealt with stress or, um, yeah, had struggles with life, which I think fair enough, all of us going through COVID at the moment will be having this. Yeah. She'd be super happy to have you on board and yeah, she gives us lessons and, Um, daily prompts on how to deal with mental health and stress in particular so thank you so much Tracy you were brilliant and over and out here's the next time we speak much love